between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow. Sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. Last week, the Democrat media complex turned five months of deadly BLM and Antifa riots into an occasion requiring Trump to denounce white supremacy. Then the same people who demanded Trump denounce hate spent the weekend on social media hoping he dies. And should we accept that Trump caught the China virus accidentally after Democrats told us everything is on the table? With these stories and more from an American nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes, and this is Right Now. And thank you for tuning in to Right Now. We broadcast live each weekday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. You can catch us live online at iHeartRadio or on demand wherever you get your podcasts. But this conversation never ends. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Right Now Jim Dawes. And you can shoot me an email at rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com, or you can call or text the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. So I took Friday off. Uh, I had a one-day window to get out on the water and uh, catch some fish. And I thought, well, you know, it couldn't get any crazier. uh, This news cycle has certainly exhausted itself. Well, I was obviously wrong because uh, the president came down with um, a positive test on the China virus and uh, and all of the craziness that that unleashed. And I've got a lot of explaining to do today. And we're going to catch up with all of that. Of course, um, as as I uh, went into that Friday, the Democrat media had already uh, cooked up its its uh, obfuscation of the Democrats and Joe Biden's refusal to condemn uh, BLM or Antifa uh, at the the debates on Tuesday. They've been rioting, committing arsons, looting, committing assaults, and uh, at this point probably over two dozen murders. And they uh, they twisted that around in true Orwellian fashion, something you really couldn't have even imagined to require that, that that be a mandatory requirement for a denunciation of white supremacy and the Proud Boys, who aren't even a, uh, a, a white nationalist group. They're a, they're a multiracial group of uh, Western chauvinists. Even Orwell could never have predicted the, the level of mind control that Americans are subjected to these days. And of course, this uh, this narrative was all about the Democrats uh, uh, trying to—I mean, the uh, Democrat media trying to protect the black vote. They're seeing these polls where record numbers of blacks are seeing through their BS at long last, and are supporting and planning to vote for Trump. But you know, to to paint the Proud Boys as white supremacists is is really. Uh, really some profound disinformation. I think they are seeing these uh, debates between Mike Pence and 
Kamila Harris coming up on Wednesday, and they know that uh, Mike Pence is likely to be much more skilled at uh, at putting Harris on the spot and demanding a denunciation of uh, of these uh, riots and and the people behind them, BLM and Antifa. John Roberts uh, made an absolute ass out of himself at the White House news conference, demanding that Kaylee McInerney um, once again issue a denunciation. And when she went through a long litany of Trump's denunciations, including the one Tuesday night at the debate, and went back in history, um, well, that apparently wasn't enough for John Roberts, who undoubtedly had been instructed by the Murdoch brothers that this is uh, the company line and you are required to go in there and spew it. Here is a little bit of what it sounded like. Can you, naming it, make a declarative statement that you denounce, that the president denounces it? I just did. Uh, the president has denounced this repeatedly. The, the you, president was asked this. You're you just, making, you're contriving no, a storyline and a narrative. I'm just asking you to put he this said, to rest. I just did. I read you all of the quotes. And if you need quotes. to see them in can writing, I will put them in an email. Hold on. So, Kaylee, can, can, can you right now denounce white supremacy and the group that is found. The president has denounced white supremacy, the KKK, and hate groups in all forms. He signed a resolution to that effect. Uh, The president just last week, perhaps you all weren't covering it, but just last week. So John Roberts is not satisfied because these are past denunciations from the president. Well, the president's not there in the briefing room. How is she supposed to do anything uh, other than that? She's quoting him repeatedly. It was it was about a three minute recitations of each and every time the president has in response to this um, uh, Democrat line. When did you stop beating your wife? Denounced white supremacy. And uh, you know this is really beneath John Roberts. He is a much better reporter than this. But John Roberts was apparently given the the talking points from uh, Fox News corporate, the same ones that that Chris Wallace was reading off of uh, at Tuesday debate and, uh, and went in there and made an utter and complete fool of himself. It's really a damn shame because John Roberts has otherwise got a, um, a solid record as a, a, a reporter and a correspondent. And now he's, uh, you know, one of the main things he's going to be remembered for is, uh, is making a fool of himself in this manner. Are you buying that um, that the president caught this coronavirus, the Wuhan virus, accidentally, just coincidentally, um, one week before the election, the same timing of one month before the election, excuse me, the same timing, by the way, where the uh, uh, the ABC, no, the NBC uh Access Hollywood taped in the 2016 presidential election. You think that the timing is coincidental? They uh, they dropped that tape uh, exactly, almost exactly one month prior to the election because that's the time that you do it when you think it will make the most impact and will not be able to be... Um, forgotten or displaced by other events before the election. And now 
the president catches the China virus. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I mentioned this on social media and I was uh, immediately uh, accused of being a conspiracy theorist. And all I'm saying is I don't think we can rule this out as a purposeful attack. I said uh, over a month ago that I would be amazed running up to this election if uh, if there wasn't an attempt on the president's life. And unlike, uh, you know, most people uh, with a positive Chinese virus test, Donald Trump, 74 years old and and uh, an infection, despite the fact that he is a, a very uh, energetic and and. Uh, powerful 74 it uh, it stands a good chance of killing them and uh, the democrats were running around all last week in response to the amy comey barrett nomination saying again and again one of their talking points nothing is off the table and they mean it there is nothing that's off the table they've incited these riots that have been going on in our cities for months now in which people have been killed businesses have been burned and destroyed and i don't believe that there is anything that the democrats wouldn't do to stop trump up and until including purposely infecting him with the virus there's no doubt in my mind that they would do it the only question is if uh, did they and i would say if you're going to operate on an assumption to uh, to make a decision? The safest assumption is yes. Again, it's not conclusive, but certainly it's in uh, keeping with their, their motive operandi up until this point. The three elements of a crime are method, motivation, and opportunity. Let's talk about method. It appears that the president contracted this virus right about the time of Tuesday evening during uh, uh, the time that he was at that presidential debate. Now, that was the first time that uh, the Democrats had full access to the place where the president was going to be appearing. Motivation. We know know, that they've become unhinged. They've tried to destabilize the government uh, with three years of Russia hoax and then uh, a illegitimate impeachment effort. And they're trying to blackmail America now that if you want these, uh, these riots to stop, you better vote for Joe Biden. So they certainly had the motivation and opportunity. Of course, uh, that's, that's when they finally had access to the same stage that the president would be appearing on. Everything is on the table. They repeatedly told us. So even if they're innocent of this, they're certainly deserving of suspicion. When you say something like that in the context of a presidential election, everything is on the table. And the same people on social media uh, that are calling me a conspiracy theorist for bringing this up turned right around and uh, started declaring that uh, Donald Trump is faking his, his uh, positive Chinese virus test. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, how much coordination that would take? Sending the president into Walter Reed Hospital and having all of those 
uh, medical personnel there. You'd have to uh, enlist them into that conspiracy. Whereas infecting the president would simply be a matter of spreading the virus on his uh, podium at that debate. If you're interested in that angle, you can go online and find videos of people actually wiping down his podium, although they're not wiping down the whole podium. They're only wiping down the places where he puts his hands on the edges of the podium. No, I think if uh, if Joe Biden were actually winning this race, as they demand that we believe, I don't think Donald Trump would have ever contracted this virus. I don't think he would be in Walter Reed Hospital today. Everything is on the table. We're going to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. So if you raise the specter of this uh, infection, this positive test, uh, being something other than accidental, they will insist that you are a conspiracy theorist. And I'm not saying that I, I know it for a fact. What I am saying, I know it's a fact that it's not beyond the Democrats and their current politics. And uh, we always have to keep in mind that this, uh, this virus was likely engineered in a Chinese germ warfare laboratory this president forced China into renegotiating trade deals that that were good for the United States, and China was not very happy. Right when it came uh, to the eve of the election season, this virus surprisingly leaks from a Chinese laboratory and wrecked the U.S. economy. And now we've got a... Uh, a a Democrat candidate to replace Trump who is in the pocket of the communist Chinese dictators gave his son a $1.5 billion investment into a startup hedge fund that he collects anywhere between 20 and $30 million a year off of. And we have a national debate where apparently that whole issue, as far as Chris Wallace and Fox News is concerned, is off the table. And the Democrats are returning to their, the, they're beating, their, beating this dead horse of Russia instead. Here is uh, Senator Chris Murphy appearing on CNN uh, saying that, well, I'll let you listen. But I, I think they need to be much clearer about what's going on up in that residence. Understood. And they have not been fulsome in their sharing of information about the president's health in, in the past. I, I want to talk about Russia because yesterday uh, we're 
days away from the U.S. election, you, you tweeted this public comment, and you were briefed on the intelligence here, that there is evidence of a giant, quoting from you, multi-year effort to help Trump in 2020 by Russia. What can you tell us about that? Well, what I can tell you is that it's much bigger and bolder and smarter than it was in 2016. Uh, the Russians have learned, uh, and they are now trying to use U.S. persons and uh, fake websites in order to uh, proffer a narrative that helps President Trump's reelection. And I also think that you have to be, you know, much more serious about the Russian threat given today's news. If President Trump can't be out there on the campaign trail for the next two weeks, then he is going to rely on his surrogates. And unfortunately, one of his surrogates is Vladimir Putin. So you are likely going to see this campaign ramped up by Russia over the next few weeks. to try. Oh, my God. We're back on the Russia jag. You know, just once, I would like these Democrats and their mouthpieces in the media to tell me exactly what Russia is supposed to be doing to interfere in this election. In 2016, they were supposed to have hacked the Democrat National Committee's email servers. And they were supposed to have provided that information to WikiLeaks. We now know that the evidence does not support that at all. Not even Robert Mueller. Um, well, I guess Robert Mueller did claim that that happened, but uh, his, his evidence is uh, is discredited at this point. But we're going back to Vladimir Putin. Instead of actually dealing with an, uh, a real geostrategic fo- foe in the form of China, Democrats want to go back to Russia, 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 Russia. I don't want to give MSNBC short shrift. Old Stephanie Rule was over there uh, with a guest called Frank Figurozzi, claiming that Donald Trump's debt makes him subject to blackmail. Why wouldn't he just come clean and say, yep, these are my creditors? You say because we don't know this information, it makes him the most vulnerable president in our history. He is the most vulnerable president in our history in terms of uh, compromise and potential exposure to those who want to help him dig out of his financial pit uh, in return for a price. And that's, I think, where the national security problem comes in. That price that they would ask for is that he makes decisions in their best interest, not in our best interest. There's also another layer to this, which is that when you're this entangled with Russia and the former Soviet bloc, you're going to run smack into organized crime figures. In fact, what is he talking about when you're this entangled with Russia and the Soviet bloc? There is no entanglement. You see how he just jumped there from a, a conspiracy theory into actual lunacy. President Trump, they keep talking about his debt. He's in debt about uh, $500 million. When you compare that to the size of his real estate empire, that is a tiny amount of leverage, much, much less than you would see from most big real estate developers. And they say, well, he's going to, he's going to, this debt's going to come due and he's going to be in a financial bind and he's going to have to run to Russia for some money. Bullshit. The president has more than enough properties to collateralize refinancing this debt very easily and there would be banks waiting in line to uh to to loan him that money when they would get solid real assets in return talk about trump being the worst businessman in 
history because he lost about a billion dollars. Hell, Uber and Facebook, um, well, not Facebook, Uber and Lyft lose a billion dollars every quarter. And those, we're told, are geniuses, Silicon Valley geniuses. <laughs> so Trump went up to Walter Reed Hospital and, uh, you know, he's in the presidential suite up there working. And uh, already they're saying, well, you know, he looks terrible. Look, he's sitting at a desk and he's leaning on the desk. He looks pale, doesn't he? Look at this picture from the debate compared to his picture at Walter Reed. Apparently, these geniuses have never heard of television makeup and harsh lighting. They say he's leaning on a desk for support. <laughs> well, when you're sitting at a desk, don't you often put your elbows on the desk and lean forward when you're talking to somebody? That's that's just a typical uh, boss way of doing things. Brian Stetler, you know, the president uh, on Sunday while Joe Biden was hunkered down in his basement, he called a lid on the campaign at 9 a.m. The president was working. They had a photo op of him signing some papers. It's, you know, not unusual. It's just uh, trying to reassure the population that uh, he is on the job. And it worked. The morning futures going into Monday are making a, a big rebound because it's looking like the president is, in fact, dealing with this uh, this episode. But then he got in his uh, presidential SUV and he took about a five-minute drive to visit uh, the, the Trump supporters who had rallied in front of the hospital there. And, oh, my God, the media meltdown was epic. Over at CNN, a uh, little tater... Brian Costanza Stetler called it propaganda. The photos the White House has been releasing, the videos, we have to show them because they're the only evidence we have of the president's condition, but they are propagandistic. That's unfortunately the situation we're in. And out of the White House Correspondents Association is calling out. The Can you imagine the nerve of uh, somebody or the lack of self-awareness for a CNN um, host? To call somebody else propagandistic? <laughs> That's the business CNN is in. They have 24-7 anti-Trump propaganda. We're in. And out of the White House Correspondents Association is calling out the White House right now. This is the press, the press corps, the press pool that is supposed to travel with the president at all times. They were not informed about this photo op. They were not with him when this happened. That is a grievous breach of protocol. A grievous breach of protocol for the president to get in the car and take a five-minute ride on TV because they didn't get prior uh, notification to the White House press corps. <laughs> oh my God. Of course you had immediately all of these, uh, these fake, um, political doctors saying, Oh, he, uh, he endangered the secret service. So the same bozos that have been griping all summer long that we have to defund the police and reimagine policing 
are now claiming to be concerned about the safety of the Secret Service agents. The truth of the matter is, there was a slight risk to the Secret Service agents. Guess what? That's what they're brought there to do, is to protect the president. And the president ought not to have to alter what he would do in order to protect them. You know, you you don't want to do it recklessly, but there's very little risk here. And the truth of the matter is, what the president was doing is uh, critically important to the nation. Because he's, uh, he's showing strength. He's making himself um, public. And probably more important than anything, he's uh, contrasting it with the Democrats, their candidate locked down in the basement. And the Democrats truly are the real threat to this nation. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Joel Pollack, senior editor at Breitbart, to discuss his new book on the virtues of Trump right after these messages. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. In Orwell's 1984, the two minutes hate was a daily period when party members were required to express hatred for their political enemies. In today's Democrat media complex, that two minutes has been replaced by a four-year-long hate for Donald Trump and his followers. Despite all his sacrifice to take the job, they paint the president as an uncouth narcissist concerned only with self-interest. But it's easy to miss that in so many ways, this president, through sheer force of will, has transformed the presidency and reset our politics for the better. To explore this, we're joined now by Joel B. Pollack, senior editor at Breitbart and author of seven books, including the latest ebook available now on Amazon, The Trumpian Virtues, Lessons and Legacy of Donald Trump's Presidency. Joel, thanks, thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to be back again. So this is uh, your second book release in about four months. Your previous book, uh, Red November, did very well. Uh, you explored the uh, the Democrat uh, primary from a uh, conservative's point of view. And this new book uh, is um, is something that's greatly needed, uh, looking at the, the good side of Donald Trump. Uh, you know, I expected a lot of pushback uh, when we elected an outsider president, but what we've seen in the last four years is really more than anybody could have imagined. And yet the president has got a lot done. What are the qualities that allowed him to overcome such frenzied opposition from professional politicians? Well, he has been successful in business partly because he has never given up. And if you look at a lot of his successful real estate deals, they often involve distressed properties that other people have quit on. 
and he comes in there, buys up the property at a good price, and then turns it into something profitable that people want to have a part of. So that's been his modus operandi his whole life. He sees possibility and potential in things that other people have given up on, and I think that's why he's able to persist. Well, virtue is not a word that's commonly used describing Trump, even by his supporters. Um, you know, we know he's uh, determined, strong-willed, combative, uh, and, you know, determined to achieve his objective. When you use the term virtue, what are, what are these virtues you, you're, uh, you're talking about? Well, the classic philosophers in ancient Greece, in Rome, and even through the Middle Ages focused a lot on the question of virtues, what kind of qualities would be best to cultivate. And especially in the Renaissance, you had writers like Niccolò Machiavelli and others writing about the virtues that a leader should have. And essentially, Machiavelli said that a successful leader needs both virtue and fortune. You need to have some good luck, but you also need to have virtue. We typically associate Machiavelli with evil or cunning. Skullduggery. That's not... Skullduggery, right. But that's not really what Machiavelli wrote about. In his book, The Prince, he was giving advice to future leaders about how to rule. And he said, look, you have to do some things that might not be nice, but you don't want to be cruel. He, he actually was not a counselor who advised doing evil or underhanded things. He advised using power and using power effectively. So that's where Trump's virtues really lie. And what I go through in this book, Trumpian Virtues, are the virtues, I think, that Trump exemplifies in his presidency that other presidents should emulate. These are approaches to the economy or to foreign policy, or they're just basic characteristics of how he's conducted the presidency. Most of these are pretty new. We have ideas about what presidents should do and what they should be that don't tend to work out too well. You know, With Obama, we got a very intellectual president who could say all the right things, but we didn't get very many good results. In fact, we got some very bad results. But with Trump, you have someone who, despite his Twitter criticisms, has been extremely effective as a president, as a leader, has done more in terms of growing the economy, in terms of solving foreign policy problems than any president in recent memory. So there are some lessons in that. And I think whether he leaves office next year or in five years, these are important lessons to keep with us. You know, it's so hard to get an accurate picture of this president because uh, we see it through the lens of the opposition media. And, um, and you know, they paint him as a caricature of uh, uh, some, um, you know, re- evil, malign force. When, in fact, if you look at his, his history, he's had, you know, personal failings and, and foibles. But the the way that he was able to overcome uh, adversity and, and put together this huge empire of uh, very successful developments. At the same time, he was dealing in the most um, rough and tumble uh, developers market there in Manhattan. And I think uh, his life really prepared him for the place he finds himself in now. Um, do you think yes, that, exactly. Do you think that the media is going to be successful in pushing this character off, or do you think um, a, uh, a majority of voters are going to see through this? I think voters have a sense of who this president is, regardless of the media. I think that if you look at the details, specific stories, people tend, unfortunately, to believe some of what the media have sold them as fake stories. So the majority of Americans think that the Steele dossier was 
somehow real in some way, even though it's a fake that's been proven to be a fake. And that's because of the success of the media in selling that story. But still, even beyond that, I think people who believe negative things about the president that are untrue still sometimes have a positive overall view of the president. And I think that's because he's pretty clear about who he is, what he's doing, and what he cares about. And I think the question facing voters is really going to be about the next four years. We have two very different futures for what lies ahead. And right now, of course, everyone's focused on the president and coronavirus. And Joe Biden has been in his basement saying, look, this is the only strategy that works. We're dealing with coronavirus. We've got to shut everything down. I can't campaign. I'm going to stay here and just do everything virtually. Trump took a different approach, which is we're going to take some risks. We're going to get out here, take precautions, but we're not going to stop ourselves from living our lives, doing our work. And those are two important contrasts. Which one of those does the American people want to choose going forward? Is it going to be a continued hunkering down, shutting down, lockdown, or is it going to be an attempt to grapple with some of the risks but also to get things moving again. And I don't know which one of those the American people are going to choose, frankly, but I think those are the kinds of choices we face. We also face a choice about the left in this country, Donald Trump emphasizing law and order. I think if he's reelected, you'll see him crack down on some of the violence, even in far left-wing cities like Portland. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris seem to have no answer at all for the chaos, for the unrest. In fact, They've participated in it. Kamala Harris joined a protest outside the White House where just a few hours before they had beaten up journalists and attacked police. So you see the Biden and Harris ticket really taking a different approach toward this problem in future. Now, they're promising that the left will calm down if they win. I don't know that that's something they can deliver. Because that's extortion. Right I, I got to believe right. a lot of people see that as extortion. If you elect us, uh, the riots will go away. If you don't, they're going to continue. Right. And I think people don't want to be extorted. So I think that Trump has the better of that question in terms of which approach do you prefer going forward. But I really do think that if Trump has a chance of winning this election, it's going to be about making the voters decide on the future. And I think his presidency has been very successful thus far. Obviously, the coronavirus is still a challenge. But the real question is going to be about the future. And Democrats, you know, they have an interesting slogan, which is build back better. And First of all, it's a slogan that they borrowed from the United Kingdom. But secondly, it's a slogan that looks back. It's a slogan that looks like other like other things that uh, Joe Biden borrowed from the United Kingdom. uh, That uh, the biography of Neil Kinnock. Right. Exactly. And it's also just looking backwards. You know, they they want to pretend that Trump never happened, that 2016 never happened, that the last four years never happened. They're promising to go back to where America would have been if Hillary Clinton had won the election. Do people really want that? I don't think so. So it's going to depend on whether people feel confident about a future under Trump or whether they don't. And he's still got four weeks to make that case. I just see this as a a real um, time of choosing for this nation, Uh, you know, whether or not we're going to go with a optimistic, courageous um, uh, challenge, you know, to this uh, to this virus or whether or not we're going to, you know, uh, succumb to the the nanny state uh, em- embodied by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the, the Democrats that uh, tell us that uh, they're required to violate our constitutional rights in order to uh, to protect us. And and it really, as every day goes goes by, it seems less and less like these lockdowns ever made any sense. 
Um, so what's your take on uh, the president's uh, positive test and, uh, and the way he's conducted himself since he's uh, gone to Walter Reed Hospital? Well, obviously, it's unfortunate that he got coronavirus. However, many of us will get it or have contracted it. Right. And through no fault of our own, necessarily. I mean, the president has lived largely in a protected bubble, and he has done so successfully for six months while conducting himself in all of his duties. Unfortunately, it only in a takes very one public mistake. way. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it only takes one mistake, and nobody really knows how it happened. You know, everybody's in the media, you see coming up with theories and so forth. But the governors who have shut down their states, like Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia, they've also had coronavirus. So I don't know that you can really tell based on someone's policy on coronavirus whether or not they're at greater or lesser risk. I mean, there are leaders in the world who have who've gone about their duties in a very cavalier way, like Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil. Uh, Trump hasn't done that. Trump's been careful, and yet this happened anyway. And it can happen despite the best precautions because people aren't 100% effective all the time. The tests aren't effective. The temperature checks aren't 100% effective. These are all just precautions. And I think he's done a good job at showing the American people he's strong, at getting out there, showing his supporters he's thinking about them, he appreciates them. That's the most important thing in an election is a president who's still in touch with his supporters. That's why Barack Obama won re-election. Obama had a number of unpopular policies, but he also was very good at communicating with his own base. And so his own base turned out for him in 2012, even though he lost ground with the rest of the country. That's why he was reelected. So that's one thing Trump's done extremely well over the last four years. In a sense, you can say he learned from Obama that you do have to maintain the motivation of your own base. And if you do that, you can win even if there's a – block of voters on the other side that will vote against you no matter what. So we'll see what happens. Again, long way to go still in this election, and it's been one of the most interesting fights any of us has ever seen. You know, when the president uh, went out and uh, did a drive-by of the supporters that showed up at Walter Reed, he took a lot of grief from the mainstream media uh, saying that he put his Secret Service agents at risk and that this was uh, foolhardy and, and careless and, and was characteristic of the way he had dealt with the virus thus far. You know, I see a very different side of that. I, I think the it's the president's job to reassure the nation and show them that he's a strong leader and in charge. And uh, if that requires the um, the Secret Service to take a minor risk, that's what they're there for. And uh, and if he believes, as I agree with, that the Democrat Party is really a, a, a dire threat to the future of this nation, he was doing exactly what he needed to do uh, for for the nation, doing his job. The only Republican president that the media will like is a dead Republican president or a defeated Republican president. Those are the only Republican presidents the media will like. They do not like any other kind of Republican president. So the fact that the media didn't like something Trump did is par for the course. I liked what he did. I thought it was courageous. It was daring. And it uplifted millions of people around this country. And you can see the stock market rebounded. When they saw that Trump was doing all right, exactly. it reminded so me I, I of think, when Ronald yeah. Reagan came to the the window at Walter Reed after he had been shot. Uh, you know, uh, hung out uh, an open window and uh, waved, you know, to his followers to show them that he was okay and reassure the world. And uh, you know, he was uh, he was celebrated even by the opposition media back then. But this president, could you imagine if um, 
if Joe Biden had contracted the virus and he went out and uh, and did a drive by of his supporters, he would have been celebrated. They would have been falling all over himself to talk about how courageous and uh, and selfless Joe Biden was. But this president uh, got nothing but scorn. Yeah, and I think the American people appreciate what he what he did and what he is doing. And I think the media are increasingly, increasingly isolated. Look, this is a tough situation for any president to be in, and it's a tough situation for any candidate to be in. But we are starting to see a realignment of all the mistakes the media made, all the mistakes the pollsters made, the Democrats made in 2016. When we look back at this election, we may see that the greatest single mistake anyone made in this election was deciding to put Joe Biden in a basement for several months. Because one thing voters want you to do is ask for their vote. And Biden is not doing that. So I don't know that he's going to lose. The media and the polls seem to think Biden's going to win. He could win. But if he loses, I think the greatest mistake that will be remembered for future campaigns is that he just didn't campaign. And the last candidate to make that mistake was General McClellan, who declined to campaign against Abraham Lincoln. He ran against Lincoln, the Democratic candidate, McClellan, but he did not leave his house, and he barely even addressed his supporters. He just figured he was going to win on opposition to the Civil War. Had he won, the South would not have surrendered, and slavery would have lasted a lot longer, and and Lincoln would not have gone on to be the great president that, that he was over the next few months, the last few months of his life. So I think that this idea of not campaigning is going to turn out to be a mistake. Whether, if Trump loses, people will say, oh, well, you know, it was the media bias, maybe it was the coronavirus, whatever it was. But you have to look at what Biden's decided to do and think it, it doesn't look right and doesn't feel right in a democracy. It sort of reminds me of 2016 when Hillary Clinton was uh, running that low energy campaign, doing one um, one event a day at most, and then flying back home uh, to Chappaquiddick and hunkering down until the next day. Um, there are a lot of parallels between uh, 2016 and how this is shaping up, including you know these so-called bombshells uh, 30 days out from the election reminds you of the the uh, uh, the Access Hollywood tape that they dropped on him that everybody said he could not possibly overcome. And he did it then, and I believe he'll do it again now. I think he's certainly going to try. I think that's all that Trump supporters need to see. They need to see that he's trying, that he's fighting for them. And that's what people want. They want someone in Washington fighting for them. They don't want someone who has all the answers because they know that nobody has all the answers. But they want someone who's going to be fighting for them. And... I think that Joe Biden has got a lot of explaining to do as to why he deserves their vote. He's never really been right about anything, except, I guess, if you listen to his campaign and the media about the dangers of the coronavirus. But everybody knew that already. He hasn't been right about the economy. He hasn't been right about foreign policy. He hasn't been right about much. the China travel ban. Even I mean, he hasn't been right about much. And he's not fighting for anybody. So I think all of that is a mistake on the part of his campaign. But I guess we'll have to see. You know, I've got a theory uh, that the Democrats went into this knowing that uh, whoever they nominated was going to be a sacrificial lamb, that uh, the president was not going to be beaten. And uh, and they chose old Joe Biden so that, you know, they could uh, go ahead and turn the page on the establishment Democrats and get the country ready for one of their uh, their uh, radical leftist candidates. Um, and uh, and I, to tell you the truth, I don't believe these polls. I, I especially don't believe them in light of NBC uh, Wall Street Journal poll that shows that Biden has suddenly jumped to 15 points ahead 
I think that's just a prime example of the way they try to use these polls to shape the public opinion. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. I think polls are also used to pacify the left-wing audience for whom the polls are presented. I don't know that we can say that the polls are inaccurate or accurate. I think that the question is always what electorate shows up to vote. And what may happen in 2020, and this this would be a great benefit to Trump if it did, is that a lot of people who sat on the sidelines in 2016 because they didn't think Trump could win see that he can win and that he did win and that he fought for them, and they start to come in off the sidelines and vote for him. Now, of course, Democrats hope that they would benefit from greater turnout among voters who didn't show up in 2016, but I just don't see that. I don't see Democrats really making big inroads in terms of voter enthusiasm. Biden has very little enthusiasm. I don't think he's pulling people in who weren't involved in 2016. He may be energizing those who were involved in 2016. You see that they are very determined to get Trump out, but I don't think that he's inspiring people to come forward. So the polls are only measuring people who are known to be likely voters now. And even there, you have some polls that show Trump closing Biden's lead or even ahead in one of the polls I saw. So we don't really know what the polls are telling us. And again, the most important poll, as they say, is on Election Day. The Trumpian Virtues, Lessons and Legacy of Donald Trump's Presidency. This is the second book you've released in about four months. The first was Red November. Will the country vote red for Trump or red for socialism? That book did very well. You can get them both on Amazon. How do you do? Uh, how do you uh, keep up such a work rate between that and your columns at Breitbart and your Sunday evening uh, uh, news uh, broadcast on Sirius XM? Uh, you must be the hardest working man in journalism. <laughs> you know what it is. You have to have a daily routine, and I have a list of a few things that I do every day. And if I get those things done every day, then I've had a full day. And one of those things is to write every day. I spend about a half hour to an hour just writing every day. And if you just do a little bit every day, you can get big things done. So that's one of the four or five things I do every day. And that's the secret to it. You just got to make time every day for the things you need to get done. And then everything else can fit into the schedule. Well, brother, I know you're busy. I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to let you get back to the column. And I look forward to, to reading you in Breitbart. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Joel B. Thank Pollock. Thank you very much is uh, editor at Breitbart. His new ebook available on Amazon is The Trumpian Virtues, Lessons and Legacy of Donald Trump's Presidency. Get it, and while you're there, pick up Red November. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Here's to the innovators, the makers, the doers, and the hustlers of D.C. With Facebook Elevate, you can grow your business, build your online presence, kickstart your career, or turn your passion of creating content into a reality. Facebook Elevate is a program that provides free digital marketing courses and one-on-one -on -one coaching from experts that can help you grow your business. Learn more at Facebook.com slash FB Elevate. Facebook Elevate. On the rise. Together.
So these unhinged leftists on social media are uh, very concerned about the safety of Secret Service agents now. Now, they have spent the last uh, six months talking about defund the police and reimagining the police and attacking police. All cops are bastards and all of that. But now they're very concerned that the Secret Service may be exposed to the virus, ignoring entirely the actual uh, facts around uh, the episode of Donald Trump's drive-by of his supporters. He was, uh, he was in the back of a hermetically sealed uh, limousine with a divider between him and the uh, Secret Service agents. He was wearing a mask. They were wearing a mask. All of a sudden, I guess they've decided that masks don't work and masks can't be relied on. But, you know, more than anything, they, they don't understand that the Secret Service is always with the president. Whether he is infected or not, he's required to carry on the, the, the nation's business, and they're required to be by, by his side. And certainly the Secret Service is uh, brave enough to, to take on the, uh, the risk faced by your average grocery store clerk. CNN, they ask a, a, a doctor, did the president recklessly put the Secret Service at risk? Thank you. Joining us now, CNN political correspondent Abby Phillip and former White House physician William Lang. Dr. Lang, I want to ask you about the drive-by. Did the president needlessly put Secret Service officers at risk for this photo op? Well, everything you do is has risks and benefits. He he wore a mask. The Secret Service agents wore a mask, most likely N95 masks. And by all of them wearing wearing N95 masks, um, I, I didn't. You couldn't tell for exactly from the pictures, but that's what you would expect has happened. That makes the risk actually very very small. Is there an increased risk? Maybe tiny, but there. But <laughs> wah, wah, wah. that is not the answer that she was uh, setting up for. Oh, man. This media has expressed more concern in the last 12 hours for these two Secret Service agents than they have in the last six months for the cops in Seattle and Portland and uh, Oakland and New York City and Minneapolis being assaulted mercilessly by these Black Lives and Antifa mobs. I mentioned in the, in Joel's interview there that if this had been Biden, if Biden had come out of his basement, stuck his head out like uh, like Punk's Tony Phil, and uh, and done a drive by with a you know a positive diagnosis, he would have been celebrated. They'd have been falling out of the trees celebrating Joe Biden's bravery and his dedication to uh, winning this election. Stock futures. Uh, Today, stocks are way up because of this motorcade appearance. Uh, Trump was showing uh, the the nation and the world that he was still on the job. And his doctors, uh, Dr. Brian Garibaldi at Walter Reed says, uh, well, he is doing so well, he may in fact be dismissed today. And our plan is to continue that for the time being. Um, today, he feels well. He's been up and around. Our plan for today is to have him to eat and drink, uh, be up out of bed as much as possible to be mobile. And if he continues to look and, and feel as well as he does today, our hope is that we can plan for a discharge as early as tomorrow to the White House where he can continue his treatment course. I said uh, when they came up with this diagnosis on uh, Friday evening that uh, Trump was going to kick 
COVID's butt. And the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, he's doing all the right things, all the things that we've learned since the beginning of this uh, this epidemic, taking vitamin D, taking zinc, uh, keeping himself and his immune system strong. So this NBC poll, this uh, these polls are just bullshit. And this NBC poll just uh, illustrates that. They show that uh, in the aftermath of the debate, Joe Biden has taken a 15-point lead on the president, 14 points, and that he's now at 53% versus Trump's 39. I think this is a prime and glaring example of the way that the media uses these polls to try to sway voters to uh, to discourage Trump supporters and uh, embolden Biden supporters. I was driving uh, up A1A this last weekend, and I started noticing a bunch of Biden signs. And, uh, and I thought that was odd because you really don't see those around here. This is out on the barrier island. And then I started paying closer attention, and I saw what the game is. Uh, somebody had gone along there and uh, and put Biden signs in front of vacation homes. These vacation homes all had their storm shutters closed, so they're easily identifiable as not occupied. And they had gone all the way up A1A and put Biden signs in the yards. <laughs> they're playing all sorts of games. They're uh, they're sending out ballots down here in Florida, uh, ballot applications to try to get you to apply for an absentee ballot for a relative or member of your household. That's from the Biden campaign. That takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home.